Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of C3 Panel. This is a comic book review and discussion podcast. My name is Fahed Rahman and my guest today is, and if I can just find his bio, yeah, my guest today is Samuel George London. He is a British comic book writer from Southern England who's best known for his Victorian space adventure series, Milford Green. His other works include Project Hoax, Access Denied, Band of Warriors, and The S Factor. In addition to writing, he also hosts a podcast called Comics for the Apocalypse, where he interviews comics creators about what comics they would take into a randomly selected apocalypse. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. So I sent you a few comic books to review and the one you chose was We Live Volume 1, Extinction Day. And I'll just read the blurb out for that where all is lost, hope is found. The year is 2084 and the world has changed. Racked by calamities and crawling with monsters, the last remaining human humans face a dangerous existence. And now Earth has been sent a message from the deepest reaches of space, a dark countdown to the extinction of all humanity. But there is hope. 5,000 children will be rescued by these mysterious message senders. This is a journey of Hototo, one lucky, one of the lucky 5,000, but only if his teenage sister, Tyler, can safely dis- deliver him to the nearest extraction beacon before time runs out. Uh, we Live is a world of violence and beauty, a unique tale of the apocalypse, and it comes from the Miranda brothers. So what I kind of sent you a few different books to kind of have a look at what kind of attracted you to this one to, to review. It was, it was just that really kind of, you know, that, that pitch of yeah. the, of the synopsis was really intriguing to me. And I, I was desperate to find out more. Okay. That's great. So it's, I've, have you, have you read anything by the, by these creators? You know what, I I hadn't at all, um, and I'm so glad that I did. (laughs) It's from Aftershock. The full creative team is Inaki Miranda, Roy Miranda, uh, Eva De La Cruz, and Dave Sharp, who does the lettering. So let's start at the beginning of the book. There's quite a bit of exposition kind of to Mm. set the world up, and the world that we're in is basically everything that can go wrong has, has gone has, wrong, has, yeah. has gone wrong so like you've been doing your um apocalypse yeah comics for the apocalypse uh podcast for a while how yeah, many right. of these different scenarios um have top, top <laughs> in your it's, a, it's at least you know maybe three i'd say there's been, there's about three that have cropped up in in just this this first volume yeah um, so yeah. it's impressive <laughs> yeah, so we've got um, environmental disasters. We've got yeah. death cults. I'm not yeah. too sure if that's a, one of the apocalyptic scenarios that's been covered in your... Not yet, not yet. <laughs> but I, I, I could throw that in for an yeah. addition. Yeah, yeah. environmental d- disasters, devastating wars. We've got... Aliens. We've got aliens. We've got um, <laughs> uh, zombies, uh, uh, death yeah. cults. So, yeah, it's just uh, the world in which the uh, comic is set is like completely falling apart kind of immediately the first thing that grabbed me was was the how did that how did that kind of um first hit you yeah i mean amazing colors and uh the the actual some of the designs of i mean of the main characters but also kind of of the of the wildlife as well was was pretty cool and we we haven't exactly had a full i don't feel like 
like I've necessarily had a full explanation about how that exactly happened. Um, no, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's some sort of mutant thing. Yeah, it's actually yeah. some mutant stuff. Like, but it, it doesn't necessarily need an explanation. It's fine. I'm I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. No, so there's some um, some mutated wildlife there as well. And yeah, no, it's just it feels like it's 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 a fully worked uh, world that they've created there um and it kind of it just from the get-go it felt like it had substance yeah i mean i've read kind of so i've been sent quite a few of these like post-apocalyptic mm. things to review and they do kind of get a little bit samey mm. after a while but mm. this was like the, the world definitely felt like fresh to me i was just wondering mm-hmm. what where, where do you think they kind of took their kind of inspirations from because i think there's that for me they felt that there's a quite a bit of like video gamey stuff yeah. in here did, did, did you kind of yeah feel it, it does yeah. almost feel like this kind of not exactly cyberpunk but almost like an edge to to like a cyberpunk type world yeah as well the main character hatoto he kind of has this sure we get into it he has this really cool kind of like vr helmet i think doesn't he yeah um, there's like this... vr ar yeah, VR yeah, yeah. stroke AR it, yeah. is that is exactly that, isn't it? Helmet uh, that's basically kind of like I guess it's like a cat's head, isn't it? Um, yeah. And it's got nice flashing lights on it. But what he's able to do is kind of when they're walking along trying to get to their destination, he's actually able to kind of you know change the world in exactly that in an AR stroke VR kind of way as well, um, which is rather which is which I thought was amazing it was really yeah. cool to see that it's interesting you said that hitoto was uh well, hitoto was the main character because that for me mm. i felt that his sister tyler was like yes. the main protagonist a lot of the way through so yes um yeah, they are right. both so hitoto and tyler are siblings they are orphans they're they're set to you know they're set to survive in this world that's awful uh hitoto has been given one of these bands that marks him as one of the five uh five thousand people uh on earth that's chosen to be uh saved and it's kind of up to her to get um her brother to one of these beacon points and it's it's, it's going to be a really like dangerous journey and she hasn't like one of the emotional strains in the story is that she has to lay she has to stay behind and she hasn't communicated that to that to, the, to him because her thing is like trying to protect him kind of not, just from like reality of what's going on, not just from mm. the physical dangers, but the actual emotional uh, and mental understanding of like how bad the things are to kind of, and I think that that virtual reality helmet thing plays into that a little bit as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like just living in his own world, literally. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, that was, I thought that was a really good bit of um, story writing right there. Um, and then, of course, I guess like later, it's it's really cool actually. So you haven't mentioned that uh, it comes with a music soundtrack, yes, as yeah. well, which is really cool. So they got like uh, I think it's like six, um, six or seven tracks, haven't they? And they got six or seven QR codes. Yeah, you can actually kind of you know scan as you go, um, so that you kind of can can listen to the soundtrack. Um, whilst you're looking at certain pages, which is really cool. And one of them is uh, a letter, a letter to Hatoto, isn't it? Yeah. How are you pronouncing it? I, I believe it's, because well, I've, I've changed it every single time I've said it. I think it's yeah. Hatoto. Hatoto. Hatoto, cool. yeah. 
great. Um, yeah, so a letter to her little brother, um, and they're on a train, aren't they, when he gets to read it. And yeah, no, it's just incredibly heartfelt. And like reading it with the music as well. Just, yeah. I don't know, just heightened it even more. Um, okay, so yeah, so I that's, that was nice. It's interesting you listen to it, the music. I, I made the kind of deliberate choice. Yeah not to listening to it with the music i find i don't know i don't know say give me a choice like, yeah yeah it's kind <laughs> yeah. of bad i don't know i just i don't i'm not one of this like i i can't really multitask that well so if there's like a song mm. in the background mm-hmm. i find my like my attention kind of like gets kind of uh split sure man a little bit but yeah so did you kind of listen to like all the all the musics all the mm. musics all the, uh, all the all the songs um as you um as you as you were reading the, the, the book. yeah i did yeah yeah i uh i literally yeah just as i was going through scanned and and, and listened and because i i read all kind of like the blurb at the start and things yeah. and kind of they were saying that you know the idea of it was obviously to try and heighten the emotion and things yeah. as well um and yeah now i felt like it did um in the right spots and they okay. did a good job i thought so you felt that that was it was effective. Yeah, it's effective. Okay, that's interesting. I think so. But at the same time, you know, as you say, like if if you feel like it's too much of a distraction for you as a reader, then it's like you know it might not work for you, and it it comes down to reader's choice. I think. Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, but it'll be it'll be interesting to kind of to see what the, the reaction to that because I think that this sort of thing has been like you do occasionally get playlists with mm. like novels and you know, sometimes with comic books as well and um, yeah it really I've, I think these songs are pati- uh, specifically written for the for the comics that it might work a little bit better but yep. in the past when I've encountered that it's just been kind of like songs that are already out there and right just, yeah, yeah so these, these yeah. were specifically created so they they uh, obviously knew a musician and um, that musician has yeah created songs based of the actual the actual comic. So yeah, I think one of the Miranda brothers actually has got a background in in music, so maybe mm. like someone someone there kind of helped him out. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about the the the, the story. So it's basically a, a journey story. It's you know their mm. the story of their journey from where they are to the extraction point, and they're initially guided by this old geezer Simon, who's just this. Uh, yeah, kind of like badass, kind of like traveling totally. uh, person with you know shotguns, well sniper skills and uh, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, all sorts of gadgets and knowledge. <laughs> all sorts of gadget and knowledge. How do you feel, kind of like the the the, the characters in this were written? Because uh, we we meet um, yeah. Hototo, we meet uh, Tyler, we've got um, yeah. Simon. Then kind of the other two main characters that we that we kind of engage with are two. Uh, is another child that's. Uh, been chosen humbo and mm. his companion alice how do you feel yes. like the i mean the, the characters kind of like engaged with each other and how well written yeah. they were or not I, it really felt natural like reading it um i thought they were really well written and they led in, in into each other really well um kind of from the start it kind of feels like you know simon i mean he is a major part of it but he <laughs> his story ends yeah, <laughs> um, fairly quickly. Yeah, no, it just it felt really kind of. Nat- I thought the setup of of the whole thing um, was really well done. From kind of like the, I guess the the, the prologue through the TV report because we start off with this TV report of kind of you know where Earth is at and kind of the whole situation of these aliens have kind of given them an ultimatum 
that you know it, well not exactly an ultimatum yeah, but they've yeah. said that you've got an extinction date but we're going to help you out we're going to give you five thousand places to to get off your rock to five thousand children and then you know you just have to make sure that they're at certain extraction points and then we'll take them off off your planet for you and then yeah we go into this whole thing that you know simon he's a he's a bus driver basically um but a, a well-equipped bus driver <laughs> um, yeah to, to the extraction points but they uh they they essentially crash just trying to remember um yeah exactly they happens. kind of kind of yeah, initially the kind of the journey goes semi well but then yeah th- that was one thing i did find a little bit mm. weird was right. i think this was it must have been released as kind of individual issues, episode, issues. Um, yeah. and I think sometimes there's a is a little bit disjointed like from one issue to to another. So, mm-hmm. like the the bus crash, that really it didn't really have much set up. So kind of we we open up mm-hmm. on the chapter and okay, the bus has crashed, and then there's a another section yeah. later on in the book where I think Tala and Hototo end up in a. A scientist lab and there's no kind of like yeah there were a of how they got there and then there. Yeah, so it's kind of yeah. how, how did you i mean if i've got a criticism yeah. that's kind of yeah one of them yeah yeah i think you're right yeah there's a couple of points where like it feels like it, it definitely jumps without necessarily any explanation i mean it feels like you're able to connect the dots yourself but yeah like at the same time it's like you know do, there probably should have been some sort of explanation um as to exactly how that happened well, um yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Okay. It would have been like nice to have like, I don't know, like the problem with comic books. It's like limited real estate. You've only got so many yeah. pages to tell your story, but yeah, yeah, something somewhere to explain how yeah. they would have got there would have been kind of nice. I think that would have made this the story smoother for yeah, sure. Just, yeah. Just yeah. Just felt a little bit uh, disjointed. Um, one of the things that I kind of mentioned that is is kind of really well written. So we both write comic books. How did you feel there's kind of at points there's kind of quite a lot of text on the page, but they managed to balance mm. it quite nicely yeah. with with the art. How did you how do you feel? Do you, is that something you kind of agree with? Do you think the amount of yeah. uh, text on the page kind of managed uh were balance balanced well with the art? Generally, yes. Um there were a couple of pages where it overstepped the mark, really, I think, where it was like it was too text heavy. But obviously, yeah, as you kind of explained before, like sometimes like you just <laughs> As a writer, you you need to get that stuff out there, and yeah. kind of like you're quote unquote willing to sacrifice, you know, one or two pages where you can yeah. you, know, you have an imbalance there, just so that you can get those story elements out there to the reader, um, yeah. basically. Um, but I d- on the whole, it it wasn't you know pages where um, it was integral that you see the art. So I yeah. think I think they balanced it from that perspective, but yeah. Yeah, I've kind of on the last podcast I, re- I recorded um, one of the example, like one of the bad examples where like someone's written too much text. I was uh, uh, kind of mentioning Brian Michael Bendis's, and it was it was mm. literally like reading a film script. Oh, you you couldn't see any <laughs> any of the wow. any of the um, art. Yeah, all, all, all that the, the text bubble distorted the art in like weird ways. Mm. So, so yeah, I think there is quite a lot of text in the book, but generally speaking, it does balance out quite well because we do have like, there are some really brilliantly realized action sequences yeah, in, really in the book. So I think kind of, you know, 
yeah okay yeah. there are some sections where it's a little bit text heavy but the the action sequences are kind of like brilliantly choreographed you want to kind of talk about that yeah um, totally there's definitely <laughs> there's a moment um i don't i want to try and avoid spoilers 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 yeah spoilers spoilers but uh for instance when so they come across this lion and it's a mutated lion so it's got like green skin and stuff it's got green skin it's got like eight eyes it's got like an arachnid face but it's a lion type thing um and then simon with his deep knowledge and kind of gadgets he kind of does this like peacock thing doesn't he like this neon peacock thing like to try and chase it away but then like some guard dude like just shoots the lion straight up yeah and then simon's really annoyed and he's really annoyed because not just the fact that he just unnecessarily killed a lion um but also at the same time now all of the other and they're called rapiers aren't they um i think they call them all of the other rapiers in the area yeah um will smell that blood and come hunt them down and then they eventually end up kind of like in this you know this this these wetlands where they're kind of walking through these reeds and he says oh we're out of the woods now because you know all the smell of the blood from the killed rapier has come off of us and we're all hunky-dory and we're fine yeah. and then literally the next page there's like 30 rapiers <laughs> around yeah. it's a like, game over yeah um and uh yeah no that's really well constructed and then obviously there's kind of there's a lot of fallout and death um after that yeah Uh, but one of the other things as well is that um it's revealed that alice is a mutated gorilla yeah basically and alice is like the um the friend and protector of um humbo Humbo. that's it yeah of humbo uh, basically and yeah alice goes crazy manages to i think kill a couple of lions and that enables them to them um hatoto and tala to escape um basically um and i thought that was a really cool action scene yeah i think that was i think that that sequence and then there's a sequence on a train later on in the book i think mm, probably well, with, with the death cult yeah 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 with uh yeah i think my two yeah. that that sequence on the train was like genuinely like, it was like very tense so yeah. i think that i think you know trains are always kind of a good place to have like a, mm. a set piece for a, a yes. an action sequence because you've got that kind mm. of like funnel of um uh where, where the violence has to follow so yes i felt um you know those two set pieces worked um kind of especially i'm just wondering how we kind of approach the ending because obviously we, we, i mm. want to talk a little bit about about, about the ending about giving away too much spoilers. Let me put it this way. This kind of, the story starts off as one type of thing. And then Mm. at the end you realize, oh, it's telling a different story. So do you want to type without giving away too many spoilers? Yeah, right. So, I mean, as as I said at the beginning, so kind of from the get-go, we we know that this alien like the we we learn later that it's like the the galactic alliance of some kind yeah isn't it a uh, high council supreme yeah. council or something like that um and uh the fact that you know they're trying to save the human race to a certain extent by offering 5000 places free off the planet yeah. um but as you say it turns out that it's slightly different <laughs> yeah it's slightly different yeah <laughs> yeah and i'm trying to remember what they actually say at the supreme council what's the thing um yeah let's not um yeah let's not talk about that you're quite right it's kind of like it's um it's 
yeah, it, it kind of, it, I probably, because I don't read like the, the blurbs and stuff like that. I'm, they they yeah. might have mentioned something about that in, in the blurb uh, earlier on. They do kind mm. of explain a little bit at the, what's, what do you call that? The end blurb, like the post note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Epilogue yeah, type thing. Kind of the, the ending a little bit um, <laughs> there, but it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's not that often where I'm kind of genuinely like surprised at an ending i mean it's yeah. not like a twist ending or anything like that kind of no, everything no, they no, set up makes turns into something very different yeah. and you yeah. know what it kind of does it in a couple of ways as well anyway doesn't yeah. it um because yeah. you kind of like have a zombie movie in in the middle yeah <laughs> as well yeah. which is funny yeah um, but yeah no it's it's really cool yeah you've got like a zombie movie you've got an escape from like uh, a death cult movie yeah uh, as well and then there's a really strong not necessarily like yeah, I suppose like a coming of age story yeah. in here. This you know it's, it is a best you know definitely mm. uh, one of the, the the biggest themes is Hototo or Hototo um, losing his innocence. So that's kind of him realizing yes. how horrible the the, the world yeah. is. And then basically, I guess we could say that it ends on it being three years later. Yeah, from yeah. the extraction date. Yeah, and then that's kind of where where they're going to be jumping off to to the next tell tell the next the next story um, story set in this universe, uh, basically. We've kind of talked about the story, talked about the the art. I think you mentioned like the the coloring. I felt the coloring in this mm. was like vibrant, excellent. It's a, it added mm. like so much depth mm-hmm. to the world, and yeah. And I've read, as I mentioned, I've read, read a couple of these like post apocalyptic mm. stories, and none of them are kind of coloured. Like yeah. this, so this you know is really helped to kind of differentiate it. Do you want to talk a little bit more about the the colouring? Yeah, no, um, I think it's absolutely wonderful. And then I forget the colourist name. What's her name? I believe it's Eva Delacruz. Eva Delacruz. Yeah, no, absolutely fantastic. Seriously vibrant colours. Gets the neon colouring just right when it's neon. But then, like as we were talking before, there's like a, in the middle of the book, you've got kind of got a bit of. Um, of zombie action going on and so that almost it gets muted yeah doesn't it for a little yeah. while but that's cool because then it it resensitizes you for like some more colors later which yeah. I thought, I, maybe that was a specific choice that they, they they started off very bright went mute with the with the zombie bit in the middle and then they kind of recolored it again um maybe that was a conscious choice i don't know yeah i mean and there's lots of different environments yeah that's you know that they have the color you've got like what you've got wildlife you've got bits of like urban decay with um uh re, you know encroaching nature mm-hmm. you've got deserts you've got forests you've got wetlands you've got cityscapes you've got nice night scenes day scenes and yeah in that you know the the yeah when you've got those kind of like different it can feel a little bit disjointed sometimes but it mm-hmm. this flowed very very nicely i felt um yeah, you know, they did a, a really excellent job there. I thought well. so. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I always like to spend a little bit of time talking about the lettering mm-hmm. as well. Um, how do you think the uh, the lettering on this? I thought the lettering on the whole was excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I mean, it's it must be difficult for, for a letter when when a writer comes with like, uh, yeah, probably a bit too much exposition, and you know, the letter is trying to do their best in, the, in yeah. terms of like not you know encroaching on the on the art too much. Um, 
But uh, no, yeah, um, David Sharp is the guy's name, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, he 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 did a really good job. Um, it never felt like there was a speech bubble out of place. I don't think. I think yes, it kind of the, the dialogues flowed very nicely, and the mm-hmm. kind of like the blam blam noises and yes, uh, yeah, some sound good effects sound were, effects. Were, yeah, were, were really um, kind, kind of worked really well uh and there is um, there is kind of like quite a few conversations in in the book and and yeah, as you mentioned mm-hmm. um the dialogue kind of flowed really uh fluidly so we've been talking about the book for about yeah 30 minutes like for me this is like a recommendation i really enjoyed it i'm really curious yeah. to see what other stories they tell in in this universe um how, how did you uh, oh yeah no definitely um i'm gonna keep on reading this 100 percent um I'd, I'd highly recommend it to to everyone really um if you if you if you like you know it's kind of like high high concept action coming of age type story as you, as you mentioned before um if you if you like that type of thing yeah definitely go go check it out yeah i mean it, I, yeah i completely agree with you uh don't be put off by the fact it's po- post-apocalypse i think there's like yeah. there's been so many stories kind of set in the post apoc <coughs> oh sorry uh so many stories kind of set in that scenario but this is a very mm-hmm. unique world and i think it's really yeah. well realized with kind of interesting characters um so cool so i think that's a recommendation from both of us i just want to thank uh net galley for providing me with an advanced re- review copy um yeah so f- thank f- thank you guys and thank you to the publisher for um sending that to me as well so um let's talk about you uh samuel so you're a, a comic book uh writer um you know one of the questions i was kind of like um like to kind of like start off with when i'm when i'm speaking to uh uh creators is how did you kind of like what you know, why comics why did you decide mm. to kind of like be the thing that you'd want to to write in yeah so my comic book journey started uh probably in about 2012 something like that so just 10 yeah. years ago um and i'm almost 40 so i was i was late to the game yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh it was it was as a result of the walking dead in fact so yeah um came across the show found out about it and um discovered that it was it was based on a comic and i was like okay that's seems pretty wild to me <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't know that comics were like that yeah. um and so uh yeah i basically at that point um i was able to get the first two compendiums um of the walking dead and i was i was able to read both um the first two compendiums straight up um so that's like 98 issues just so everybody <laughs> doesn't know how many how many issues are in a compendium um well no 96 sorry i think it is um so yeah like 96 issues um straight up um and that just opened up a whole world to me of comics of indie comics i had no idea about um so i opened up the world of you know mark miller um and uh and everything else that robert kirkman had done as well invincible came became a massive fan of invincible um became a weekly reader and then it took me uh a few years in fact before i um thought hmm I'd I'd like to give writing a comic <laughs> comic uh, yeah. a go myself, 
And uh, it was in 2018 that I'd actually ended up um, writing my first um, my first comic, Milford Green, um, which is my uh, Victorian space adventure series. Um, and yeah, I got it on Kickstarter and it was successful. And I've had uh, a couple of those installments on the on the Pipe Dream Comics of the Year list. Um, so yeah, it was just I just fell in love with the medium. Um, and also the writing process of, of comics as well, um, I feel lends lends well to kind of how I how I process things creatively. So um, yeah, I'm, okay, that's I love uh, interesting. Um, how do you write comics? Is there like a specific mm. script format that you do you, uh, that that you follow, or is it far? Is it a kind of a more collaborative thing where you kind of like you you've got artists that you work with, you know, certain artists like certain script formats? How does that? How does that kind of like shake out for you? Yeah, so for me, um, the the script writing format that I use is um, is a table format. Yeah. Um, so I have uh, it's basically yeah, just literally on a, on a word document, um, a table of three columns. So the first column is the page and panel number. The second column is uh, the description of the panel and then the third column is any dialogue um and i literally go row by row for each page page and panel yeah. so you know on the first page 1.1 is the first page is the first panel of the first page um write the description and then write any dialogue and then you know 1.2 same description dialogue 1.3 description dialogue and then you know i'll have a, a blank row in between new pages and i i sometimes write notes in between the rows um like particularly if there's like a light change for instance um like yeah you know now we're in dusk i mean you could write that in the in the description but it feels relevant to like make it like relevant to the whole page um i don't know um i i, I find those little um blank rows useful <laughs> oh, okay nice. um and yeah no so for me like the artists that i've worked with have found that actually really um effective um and even efficient <laughs> in terms yeah. of how that actually works because they, they just go through row by row to actually you know do the to do the art and things um and you know with my um you know uh the artist for Milford Green and Access Denied, um, Michael Hankinen, um, he just is uh, an outstanding job with it, and and he he loved the process as much as I did, um, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> oh, okay, that's interesting. Um, yeah, because I mean, I've worked with, like, I've I've kind of played around with a couple of different scripts mm-hmm. formats, and I haven't really found one that. Um, like comfortable for me uh yeah so how, how did you how did you settle on that one was that something that you created yourself or did you like do a fair bit of like uh searching on the on the web to to find something that that kind of fit fit your method yeah it was a case of you know searching online for for what works best for me really um and then that one just was the most appealing um and uh i tried it and you know, if it if it's not broken, don't fix it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, um, yeah. I, I maybe I'll try it another time. And you know what? If you know an artist really wanted to to have it in you know the traditional format 
of like you know basically a screenplay type yeah style um then i i'd happily kind of write it as i usually do and then transfer that into you know a, a screenplay style yeah um, yeah but one of the other things that i i'm a real avid fan for is um is story structure and uh making sure that you've kind of got that outline um based off of uh a tried and tested story structure really um particularly at the beginning of kind of your writing career because i didn't really have any idea so i read every blog under the sun <laughs> basically on on the subject um and story structure is so important i think it's something that potentially you know not everybody when they're starting off reads up on but it's so important to kind of have those strong foundations of you know how a story should kind of be presented to a reader so that they feel like they've read a satisfying story okay so are we are we talking about stuff like every story having a beginning middle and end or are we talk about more sophisticated um mm-hmm. ideas behind character creation and mm-hmm. you know the hero's journey kind of all that sort of yes stuff yeah yeah exactly so you know the the basic one being you know three act structure yeah. um where you know your hero rises your hero falls your hero rises again yeah. and that's basically it but then i um for milford green for instance i used an eight point story structure um yeah. which i discovered through reading dan Harmon's blog on yeah. what he calls the golden circle and just how he writes everything that he writes from community to to rick and morty that's how that's what he uses that basic story structure in order to create sound stories basically um and then i've i've started to explore other ones as well now um so for instance i don't know if you ever heard of the save save the cat yes i have yeah yeah i know it's what i've heard what i've kind of like uh, heard about it. it's kind of it's really good stuff but it's also mm-hmm. kind of like it's it's been a poison to to, to filmmaking yeah at the same time because yeah, like all exactly. movies follow that same structure as well so it's kind of that's like it so yeah. what you what you need to make sure when you are using story structures is that it doesn't come across as formulaic yeah um and that's what you want to avoid you want to absolutely still make it feel like an organic story um that flows effortlessly um and yeah absolutely what you don't want is to make it feel like right okay now we're at this point like you want the the person reading um reading it to feel like the story is just completely flowing rather than yeah having this like abrupt change in like okay this is the next stage and then this is the next stage <laughs> yeah. the story structure type thing yeah have you um have you ever heard of red letter media yes, yes. yeah, yeah it so rings they, a bell. they uh well they basically did a uh what they kind of initially got famous for doing uh 90 minute reviews of the of episodes one two and three of star wars mm. so they did like yeah. uh, a really deep dive critical breakdown of like why mm-hmm. those movies um didn't work but what, yeah. one of the things that they did as well was they watched the first three transformer movies like simultaneously oh my god um at almost exactly the same time in each movie like a similar plot point yeah will kind of happen okay so this is where the decepticons first appear so this is kind of like Uh the first chase sequence happens amazing that's that idea about you know making sure that um (laughs) things aren't too formulaic yeah that's literally formulaic it's (laughs) just like you could get any more formulaic than that right yeah Um, Um, that's insane 
But uh, yeah, no, there's some really good examples. And, you know, to a certain extent, sometimes some of it is just kind of like natural storytelling. It's just giving it a structure, really. Um, and yeah. if, if you're just trying to find your feet as a writer, um, then I think it's, you know, it's it's really you know important to try and understand that so that you can hone your craft. You know, once you're more experienced, you don't necessarily need to rely on those structures so much because it's it's innate. To your storytelling but uh yeah if you're just starting out then i think it's important to have that understanding yeah i mean another book that i kind of really changed the way that i felt about um storytelling is the science of storytelling and i forget the name mm. of the author but he's basically he takes like a neuroscience approach to understanding why stories do and uh kind of like do not work and it was just right. kind of like it kind of you know, a lot of the stuff that Dan Dan Harmon was um, uh, talking about, and you know other bloggers. It it kind of gave a scientific basis for that. So it's kind of it doesn't really say anything new, but it's kind of like all right. So there is yes some sort of like scientific understanding of like why certain things do do not work. So that's definitely a book I'd kind of um that's recommend. Cool. I'll have to check okay. it out. I, I, it's it's really kind of um especially. Yeah, it's, I, I felt it kind of really explained things really clearly about kind of uh, certain things. So uh, this is a question I typically um, ask artists that appear on 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 the pod, but kind of like, what is your so what I say what what I kind of like asking is kind of what's what's your studio set up? How do you how do you mm. so what is your studio set up? How how and when and where do you write? Yeah, so for me, um, by the way, it's Will Store. I think yeah. the science yeah. of storytelling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just found it on Audible. Yeah. Um, excellent. Added to my wish list. So, yeah, my setup is that um, I've got a home office. Um, and so I will literally just like sit down on my computer. And sometimes I listen to instrumental music, sometimes I don't. The instrumental music that I listen to is by is an artist called Tycho. That's T Y C H O. I think he's like a Canadian uh, musician, um, and it's all just instru- like electronic, instrumental, atmospheric type music, um, and it kind of helps me sometimes focus, um, and it just gets me in a rhythm sometimes. At the at the moment, my time is is just is so stretched. So what I have to do is that I um at the moment i'm i'm kind of i'm putting together a a pitch for a project that i'm hoping to be quite successful with (laughs) but um like aren't we all um but basically i i have to commit my sunday evenings to to actually do that um because i can't do it any other times basically so okay um i will come in after i put the kids to bed um come in just before eight o'clock sit down get settled um maybe have you know last little bit of kind of a dinner that i've cobbled together quickly and then you know dive straight into it but i'll put my headphones on regardless as to whether or not i i'm listening to music um because it just it feels like i get tied to the desk like that okay that that, that helps me kind of i don't know get in the zone um for it um and yeah it's just a case of you know it it doesn't matter whether or not you know you're feeling inspired that night or anything you just got to start typing away basically and just just get to it um and then you can you can always kind of reshuffle stuff at a later date but you just gotta you just gotta go for it regardless 
of, of whether you're feeling energized or uh, inspired or anything like that. You just got to go for it. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that's probably the major problem with why I've haven't written anything in about a year is just I've gotten that the practice of doing that. And it does mm-hmm. kind of, it takes discipline. It's kind of, um, it does. it's the same thing as a, a professional fighter going for the morning runs. You need to kind of get that road mm-hmm. work in and yeah, just get, get, get that, get that practice done, whether, whether or not you feel like, feel like, do you do, um, do you ever do things like um, writing exercises, free association, anything like that? Or do you very much kind of like have a plan of what you're going to be doing in, in every mm-hmm. session? Yeah, no, um, at the moment I, I very much have a plan um of what's going on and i think so i think i'd only use writing exercises if i ever felt like i had a a real writer's block um and and i try to avoid you know ending up in a situation where i have writer's block um and the main way that i do that is when i plan a, a new a new story is to make sure that i have a strong outline for it from the get-go um so using again a story structure a well-established story structure like the eight point arc or save the cat or something like that um just so that then you have those initial um story beats so that when you're actually sitting down to write the script itself then you know you can you're referring back to this to this outline and it's like okay right i'm i'm trying to figure out how to get from this point to this point in the most organic way possible basically um and uh yeah um that's that's essentially my uh my process <laughs> okay so, and kind of what sort of stories are you interested in telling kind of at the moment mm. without kind of giving away too much about kind <laughs> of a project that you're working on at the moment if that makes sense yeah um i think ones that i've actually got in the works at the moment i've got a couple of cool sci-fi ones and i'm trying to challenge myself as well um a little bit i've got a a, a sci-fi comedy that i'm trying to get get with the publisher um and uh we we've almost been there a couple of times um so it's a shame <laughs> yeah but i just gotta keep on working at it um and comedy isn't necessary isn't really like my strong my strong point really yeah. um i mean sci-fi is but comedy aspect i've i've got a couple of jokes here and there in milford cream but they're just like passing jokes really rather than you know continuous hilarity um so i'm trying to push myself in that respect and then i've got this other sci-fi project which is yeah really about what's the best way to put it it's kind of just about how you can how expendable you are as as, as a person in in today's system um so i think it's it's about how i guess the the big sweeping world that we live in can just eat you up as an individual you know you can get lost in the cracks so easily you know um and so yeah it's kind of i guess it's the the story of the individual against the against global systems i guess <laughs> it's like the way to put it yeah definitely one of the questions i kind of like it j- just came up is that for, that for me one of the trickiest parts of writing is yeah obviously finding the time to write but i absolutely flipping hate editing um mm-hmm. how do how do you kind of like approach that stage do you kind of get everything written down in like one go and then go for your second draft after you've got the you know 
all 20, 30 pages kind of like written or do you kind of edit as you go, that sort of thing? How do you kind of approach it? So, that? yeah, I, I try to polish it as much as I can, but then I hire an editor. Okay. <laughs> totally. Um, that is like the, honestly, hiring an editor is really um, beneficial to you as a writer Um, and and obviously you need to find somebody that you trust to to give you an honest answer as well you don't want somebody that's just going to kind of you know um, wrap it up in smiles and rainbows yeah Um, you want somebody to kind of you know tell you hard truths if they think that you know you need hard truths to be told to you Um, and so I've I've had an editor uh, since the second installment of Milford Green Um, so the first one I didn't at all but luckily, I got one for the second one, Nicole Nicole D'Andrea, um, who uh, currently works for Scout Scout yeah. Comics, in fact, um, and uh, she still does freelance stuff. So you know, reach out to her if you want a good editor. Nicole yeah. is your gal. She she does a fantastic job. She's helped me so much with. Um, pointing out some things that needed to be in the story that weren't there um for instance in beyond milford green um one of the one of her points um of constructive criticism um was to say that there was no real moment where um alfie and mary the the two main characters they never really had an intimate moment and uh yeah i was i wrote that into the story and it's it's an absolutely fantastic moment and you know people have commented on it um, that it was really nice to see them like actually interact like that. And uh, yeah, it's just like little things like that that can really polish a story up um, that you need an external fo- point of view on. So okay. hi- hire an editor, definitely. Hire, it, hire, it, <laughs> hire uh, uh, an editor. So I've just got a, f- a few more questions before um, I let you go. How, as a writer, how do you kind of approach collaborating with like artists and letter- letters and stuff like that? Do you feel like you need to be like the captain of the mm-hmm. ship a little bit or do you kind mm-hmm. of tend to give people um like free reign to kind of do what you feel that they need to do yeah it's a bit of both really um it's kind of like you know holding a butterfly in your hand you know you you, you can't let go entirely because otherwise it will fly away but you yeah. can't you know you can't grasp it as well because otherwise you yeah. kill it <laughs> yeah yeah so it's really that kind of approach and i mean i try to not be overly descriptive in my descriptions of panels and of characters and things like that um just so that you know the artist can obviously put their own slant on it of course i'll give reference photos and and things like that um but then at the same time you know uh there's been many instances where an artist has come back to me and said i'm not really sure that you know that um I think we need an extra panel, for instance. Okay. You know, um, in something, and I'm like, sure, go for it. Um, so you know, they'll they'll put that into their thumbnail or their you know full page sketch, um, and then you know, I say, yeah, you were totally right, <laughs> spot on. Um, and let's let's do that and and go for it. Um, okay. And yeah, it really. So for instance, with with Michael on Milford Green. Um, obviously I had like the the full script there um, he read it and then what he actually does which is just incredible is that he literally sketches out the entire book um, he did that in like I think is about two and a half weeks it took him to like sketch it out entirely like a 40 page book <laughs> it's just it was insane um, 
it was absolutely amazing. And yeah, there were a couple of points where he, you know, he he added uh, panels or took it away and kind of like made it into a bigger panel mm. and things like that. Um, and he was absolutely spot on and kind of yeah. I I gave him a couple of notes here and there um, where I thought things maybe needed to be added or like the perspective should be different. Um, that can often sometimes be um, the thing that you don't necessarily write down as a as a writer to the artist is sometimes like the perspective that you have in your head you can't necessarily fully explain that so yeah you try you try and do your best they come back with a thumbnail or something and you're like oh i didn't exactly mean that i kind of meant more like this um but you know that's all part of the process um and uh yeah thankfully as, as long as you're you just have to make sure that as a writer you have to be open open to listening to to your artist and allowing them to try something if they want to try something and then you know if it comes back and it's better then it's better you know um and 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 vice versa you you have to make sure that you kind of you know don't hold back as the you know quote-unquote art director to say that you know i i prefer not to do that because i think that kind of um that doesn't tell the story that i'm trying to tell necessarily um so yeah um it's just about being honest with each other yeah i guess yeah <laughs> i think that's that's true um uh, so i think just uh, a couple of more questions and I'll, I'll i'll let you go so i was recently in glasgow and i was at an exhibition and there was a photo of this let me just get this uh i'll cut this out of the podcast just uh give me a second sure. please okay so um i was at this uh the uh, in, in in Glasgow and I visited there. It wasn't Glasgow. Where was it? It's Edinburgh. Sorry. Anyway, I was just going going through one of the the galleries there, and um, this kind of like quote stood out to me from one of the um, painting descriptions that they they've got. Um, and it basically says, "Who are whoever we are, we want to be." We want to feel understood. When you're writing, what do you want the world to understand about? you kind of like what is it that calls you to to that yeah i think um what i try to put into into the writing is is hope for the future i think um that you know where there's a will there's a way um we can work it out together um just need to make sure that we listen to each other um and uh yeah the, the only way that we we solve problems is by working together so yeah um, hope for the future is the main thing, though. I think. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> we can do it. We can do we it. We can do it. Okay. Uh, probably not. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so it's a nice balance of optimism and pessimism. It's very, it's very uh, yeah. healthy. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, the, the last one of the last questions I'll put to you is what What does success look like? Yeah. Um. Great question. Um. So you know, in in the future, I I started this out just as like you know i just do this like in my spare time um which i am still doing in my spare time (laughs) um but one day i mean i i'd love to potentially move into you know trying to become a a professional comic book writer um that'd be absolutely um that'd be the dream for sure so i guess it would be a case of literally making comic book writing a full-time job um and so, you know, if I'm able to get to a point where I'm able to provide for my family through comic book writing, then that that would be success for me. Okay, that sounds um, great. And kind of the, the last question um, um, I'll kind of like put to you are, 
what are you going to be doing next and where can people find you on the uh, internet yes um so people can uh, find me on twitter uh, samuel g london um that's the best place and then yeah my podcast comics for the apocalypse you can just search for comics for the apocalypse on your podcast app and then it will it will come up um uh, of course, I can listen to to your episode, Fad. Um, so, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, no. Um, in terms of what projects I've got coming up, um, one of my uh, collaborating artists, Martin uh, Lebecki, um, you can find him on um, on Twitter and Instagram. He he's occasionally posting up um, concepts of of what we're up to um on the uh untitled project sci-fi project that we're working on um but it's you you can i can tell you that it's it's based on the moon um and there's there are guards and there are people that are being held in in a facility (laughs) as well um and uh yeah he's doing an outstanding job with the art on that and we're looking to you know, try and get it with a publisher to begin with. Um, Kickstarter's always there and um, we might end up doing that. But yeah, again, I, I want to try and move into a space where I'm, I'm with uh, some some big publishers, hopefully, at some point. So that's what I'm, I'm trying at the moment. Um And uh, yeah, but I mean, Kickstarter is, is great for, for kind of, both um it's just kickstarting is so much work on top of you know the fact that you've written a book yeah. and you've worked with an artist for many months to like put it all together then you have to do all the all of the distribution yourself and yeah. everything else that comes with it it'd just be nice to have some help with the publisher yeah. <laughs> i think um i don't know if you follow any any people on like publishing twitter at all um but there's mm. a lady on there called sam lounge and she kind of like really mm. uh she's kind of quite critical of like i'm not i know comic book publishers are slightly different from kind of like mm. mainstream trade publishing yeah. but kind of like the mm-hmm. question like she always asks people right if you're applying for you're sending a script to the publisher what are you expecting them to do that you can't do yourself and if you're expecting them to do like um lots of marketing and stuff like that that's not necessarily going to be the case even if you do get with a publisher Mm -hmm. sometimes you're going to have to end up doing like loads of marketing but all the other like production stuff they will probably do a good Mm -hmm. job taking care of kind of like you know sending proofs and yeah yeah getting it to the printers and stuff like that but yeah anyway um the last question i always ask is is there anything i didn't ask you that i should have Hello? No, I think he. I think he asked absolutely. Every, I think yeah, asked absolutely everything. Um. So yeah, no, it's all. Okay. It's all good. I can't think of anything. <laughs> okay, that's great. Um. So uh, thank you, Samuel, for joining me. Okay, so that's the episode wrapping up now. I just want to give a few uh, quick plugs. Audiobookish, my audiobook review and discussion podcast is going to be back in your podcast streams pretty soon. Cole is doing a really good job on our YouTube channel doing kind of short 10, 10, 15 minute videos, um, kind of overviewing books that he has bought. And he's, you know, he's doing a really good job of explaining why certain bits of artwork 
uh, work and uh, stuff like that. So please uh, check that out. Please support the podcast by leaving a review wherever you've wherever you have found us. Leave, leave a rating or review uh, there, and if you can support the pod by leaving a tip in the chip jar, the link is in the episode description. Uh, thank you very much, Samuel. Let's say bye. 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 Thanks.